Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Did you have a good weekend? Uh, it was decent. It was a little bit exhausting. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. For some reason, my son has decided that 5 a.m. is his new wake-up time. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's been like that for about a week. and <laughs> it, It's like it's okay during the week when we can just drop him off at daycare in the morning at like mm. starts at seven thirty. Um then I go to the gym and, and go to work basically. But on the weekend it's like you get up at five AM and <laughs> then you're entertaining him all day. So uh Especially on the weekend too. Oof. Yeah. 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 I think uh I was listening to the latest uh is it yeah, it's Mega Maker episode with uh Justin and and Josh. And um Josh was talking about how his like productive time is like 6 a.m to noon but like mainly yeah, he gets most crazy. of his work done yeah before his kids wake up and uh one i was thinking i was like okay well like kids normally wake up really early uh so i don't know how long his like productive time actually lasts but also he is just on it i mean starting work at 6 a.m is impressive i wish i was like that i i like envy that <laughs> because i normally like start to get like real productive around like 10 a.m. and then have like a good spurt until like noon and then after lunch I have like another like good hour or two and then after that I'm sort of like battling with myself before that I'm kind of battling with myself too and yep. uh I wish I could just have like you know work like 7 to 11 just like super productive and then after that kind of like you know slow down a little bit do less important things but it's the dream I know yeah same for me and I seriously have no idea how he is launching a startup right now and right. building, <laughs> you know, building new features and all of that because they just had a baby and, and yeah. I think he has two, yeah. two other kids as well. Like, that's insane. <laughs> Props to him. <laughs> they must be pros. I know. They're just like, oh, yeah, yeah another baby. Here we go. Okay, now back to normal. Like, what? <laughs> I know. Like seven uh, months in, and I feel like I'm still uh, still getting adjusted. <laughs> right, <laughs> with just, just one. Um, <laughs> he's maybe just used to all the pain, all the suffering, and uh, it's normal to him now. Yeah, props to him. I don't even yeah. have any kids, and I'm still struggling with the whole productivity thing. <laughs> I feel like a loser. That's funny. But yeah, well, that sucks. It's hard to hear, but. Uh, Sure, that makes starting Mondays a little bit difficult too. Feeling like okay, now to kind of like get right into it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a, a slower Monday for me. Um, but yeah, it's all right. I mean, it's you know, it's funny because like before I had kids, I'd always hear parents talk about how you know all the miserable aspects of their life and not getting sleep mm. and. Then they'd always end it with, but it's all worth it and it's totally amazing. <laughs> and it's like, really, is it? Um, but now that I'm in that position, I can say it is all worth it and it's totally amazing. Mm-hmm. But from the outside, if you don't have kids, it might not seem that way. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad that that's the attitude because if you, yeah. I wasn't sure where you were going with it for a second. I was like, uh-oh, is it not <laughs> worth it? Is it, is it caving? 
No, it, it definitely is. Still yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, What'd you good. do this weekend in, in your um, kid-free world? <laughs> I know, man. Geez, just pure, pure bliss. Just uh, entertainment <laughs> galore. No. Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, it was pretty uneventful. I don't think we did a ton. Um, I think after, you know, I think it was last week, we were sort of just getting back in the swing of things after spending a lot of time uh, at the the summer camp with our church. And um, so we had like a bunch to catch up on, errands to do, you know, sleep to catch up on also. Um, So we just, yeah, kind of took it easy and uh, just got some lunch with some friends and that was kind of the the highlight. Um, So yeah, relatively laid back. Nice. That's always fun. Yeah. Um, I think I did a little bit of work too. I'm not sure. I might've done like a little bit. Um, but the main thing I've been working on like last week. So, well, actually maybe we can start here. Cause it was like right after we last recorded, but uh, we had the Indie Hacker San Diego meetup and, uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I think there was, was there like 10 of us? I think so around there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots of new faces, lots of old faces. Um, people, well, not really new or old faces cause we've all seen our, Twitter avatars and stuff like that, but, um, good to actually meet some people in person, uh, including fellow podcaster Colleen and, um, and Steph Smith as well. Uh, and Calvin and, uh, we had Matt, we had Nate, Travis, um, Drew, uh, who else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing people always, but it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. I think we were out for four, four and a half hours. And, yeah. uh, it was just a lot of fun getting to see people in person and chit chat. That was the first, like I would say like business networking event I've been to in, you know, obviously over a year, probably almost two years. And yeah, you know, it's, it's such a good group of people and I just forgot how energizing and motivating that <laughs> is to be around people like that in person. Uh, so I had a blast talking to everyone for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Felt like, I feel like that was kind of like a cool, um, what do you call it? Like, uh, like a milestone or like a, a marker for like, we're getting back to normal, you know, like <laughs> looking on the up and up, you know, it's encouraging, like we can be able to, we can do this again and everyone's working on cool stuff and, uh, it's good things to update each other on and, um, felt like kind of like a turning of a new page a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And you put it perfectly like everyone was working on cool stuff and had something to share and uh you know updates both on their business but also like a lot of life updates happen or a lot of life events happen yeah. in the last you know year and a half uh so it, was, it seemed like at least like three people in the group got married and mm-hmm. <laughs> there were you know a bunch of the new faces that there were people that had moved to san diego during the pandemic so uh, right. there's a lot going on yeah and i think the last time that we we all met, most of us were kind of like, you know, hacking on some stuff on the side, but no one really had like a business that they were working on. And this time it's like the exact opposite. Like everyone has something that they're working on. It might not be like their full-time gig, although for some people it was, but it was like, you know, something substantial, you know, there's revenue, there's a part-time thing. It's some sort of project or, or software, you know? Um, so we've officially graduated from the, the entrepreneur <laughs> phase and, uh, we're real indie hackers now. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. It was fun. Um, I had a really good week last week, just in general. Um, I, I felt like it kind of like just 
did what I wanted to do, what I set out to do on my to-do list and, um, spent my time well and, uh, was, you know, really like busy, but wasn't, didn't feel like exhausting, you know, like Monday we spent a lot of the day with Derek and his wife and friend, and then we recorded. And then Tuesday we had the Indiago San Diego meetup and then had a bunch of meetings Wednesday and Thursday I got to carve out and just spend the whole day working on, um, newsletter content. Uh, Friday we co-worked together, which is a lot of fun. And, uh, so I had a good time, just like felt like I was super productive and like really got a lot done and, um, felt good to like do some, some deep work, especially on the newsletter content side of things. I kind of just like built a big outline of like all the emails that I wanted to create both for the tiny marketing ideas newsletter and just like the general kind of newsletter drip, um, creating like an evergreen kind of newsletter basically. And, uh, and then fleshed out a whole bunch of new content for each one of the emails and, um, just feel like I left off in like a really good spot. Like, okay, I'm, I'm excited to get back to this later. And, um, I was like happy with the progress that I made. So I felt pretty good. Nice. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. Um, I was also, I've been, it's just weird how I think it was, maybe it was, uh, Fabrizio or, um, one of the other male brew guys, but he was like, you know, a lot of people say like, Oh, your best ideas come like away from the screen. And he was like, no, all of my ideas come away from the screen. And, um, all these things just like keep like happening in my head or sort of like, just like appear. But, um, I just had this thought, like maybe I had talked about it before, but I wanted to, uh, sort of like validate the new course ideas with like a workshop version for them beforehand. And then I was like, wait, what if I just like, record each video that I'll create for the con for the course and then like drip it out. So I just like send an email to the list and be like, here's this thing now available in like the work in progress course, but like you can get mm -hmm. access to this right now if you want to. And then basically just update everyone on like each new video that I create for the course. And then at the end be like, okay, here's the course it's done. But that way I've been like, sort of just like dripping and like keeping people in the loop with what I'm working on and like sort of selling and pre-selling along the way also. And, uh, so I got kind of like excited and attached to that idea as well. And so now I'm doing some more work on like outlining course material. And then I think by, by September, I'd like to be in like a cadence of maybe doing like shipping like a video a week and like dripping it out to the newsletter, uh, list and then like slowly building out the course content as I go. Uh, and maybe even like one or two a week, depending on how many videos I want to actually put out. Yes. I love that. That sounds like exactly what Michelle Hansen did to write her book. Mm. I don't know if you, um, have heard her talk about it, but she said that the idea of writing a book was like, you know, this huge monumental task to take on and, uh, so instead she started a newsletter and each right. edition of the newsletter was basically like work in progress content for the book. Uh, mm -hmm. and just dripping that over, out, dripping that out over time made it so much easier to write. Yeah. Uh, and now she's actually doing that with the audio version of the book where she, instead of again, recording the entire thing at once, she's doing like a private podcast and dripping out each chapter as an episode of the podcast. So, Oh, smart. That's, right. Yeah. 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 I like this because it's, it's really, um, it's really low friction. Like I was kind of thinking, I, it's not that the workshop idea is bad, but I was like, well, if I charge for each one, 
do I charge, you know, like half of like the membership amount? Do I charge the full membership amount? Do I have to like create a new page? You know, um, like basically how would I, like, I, I don't want to just do like the one-time sale. Like I'd rather just, again, push people directly to the membership, which is what I'm ultimately after. And then, and that's when I was kind of thinking, I was like, well, wait, what if I just like upload it as I go and then just tell people about it and then say, if you want this, you can get it right now as a member or you can wait till the end when the full course mm. is like actually put together. But that way I'm like actually selling all on the way, the membership, not just a one-time workshop fee. Yeah. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Yeah. So haven't done any work there yet, but I think I'm, you know, again, like slowly piecing together, like <laughs> how to actually make this happen and make it work and also do it in a way that I think it's both, both conducive to like my own productivity, but also I think that I'm, I'm pretty like excited about that and like the ability to like grow as well. And, uh, and like, that'll be like a revenue generating activity also not having to like wait to the end of like the course being finished and then being like, woohoo, look at this big announcement time. But like mm -hmm. all along the way I can capture some of that upside. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That really has me thinking about some of the product development that I'm doing for JetBoost. Hmm. Uh, oh man, that's so interesting. Yeah, I think I was a lot better about this in the, in the beginning where I would ship the smallest version of something and then iterate on it over time and add new features to it and whatnot. And as I've gotten further into the business and, uh, know the customers more, know what they're looking for, know how they're going to use things. Uh, so right now I'm working on like the, the sorting feature for JetBoost and I'm like, okay, it's got, obviously it's got to do sorting, but it also needs to, you know, be able to, uh, like save the, the current sort to the URL. It needs to mm. support buttons and checkboxes and select elements and all the different, uh, UI widgets that are, are available in Webflow. Um, but I, I'm now I'm almost considering if that's the wrong way to go about it. Instead, just get like one of the UI elements working, uh, which is actually the case right now, and go ahead and, and ship that out and then say, you know, more coming along the way. And uh, one is obviously it gets it out there earlier. But like you said, then you have all these other opportunities to uh, promote it and, and generate additional revenue basically by okay, now we support button elements. Now we support checkbox elements. Uh, right. Kind of exactly like more, what you're saying. More at-bats. Yeah. I mean, honestly, too, like I'm a little bit like embarrassed that I haven't thought about this earlier because it really is kind of like the same idea as uh, just having like a, a change log or just like giving like these small iterative updates to software. And it's like the same thing for the course. You're just like, okay, here's like a, a new module. Here's a new piece of content. Here's like an update. Here's, mm -hmm. and you're just like dripping that out all on the way, but just gives you more excuses to talk about what you're building than like one big packaged, you know, communication that may or may not be read or, you know, could be missed and, or you only, you're sort of like delaying the success a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Shipping small, small and quick. 
spawn fast. Yeah, and even if it's incomplete, it's, I mean, software is always a work in progress, and I think you can do the same thing, like you said, for the courses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's totally what it is. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, putting it together, I think I mentioned it like a couple of weeks ago, but I feel like I just have like my marching orders for swipe files and pretty happy with that. Uh, still feeling a little bit guilty just about like not being super active in the community, but I think I've also made my piece a little bit about like, okay, for this season right now, I really just need to focus on content creation and production and like not let it go completely, but just not feel so guilty about like not being there all day, every day, like really being intentional about it. Um, I also just really need scheduled posts. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I've been begging for it for a while and like, you know, it's not a knock on the circle team, but that would really, really help my productivity and like, uh, I guess like frequency within the, within the community, just being able to like automate some of that stuff or not automate, mm-hmm. but like schedule it out just cause I'm not good about like, okay, here's this calendar event. Like that's going to remind me to like post this thing at this time. Like, like I just need to like have one place where it's just like, okay, that's scheduled. And like for the month, I just have like the six or seven things that I know are, are going to go out and then I can like check in once, you know, it's actually posted and people are responding to it. Um, it's too much to do it manually. Uh, but anyways, yeah. Feeling good about the, the marching orders kind of going forward for myself. Yeah. And plus once you deliver, uh, the new course videos, like that's going to provide a ton of value to the community in and of itself. So, right. Yeah. 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 Sending out to the, to the general list. It's interesting because the, um, the newsletter has grown pretty substantially. Like I think I'm, I'm past 6,000, uh, subscribers now, but like I haven't been sending a ton of content. So I feel like I've been doing myself a disservice because I haven't been really engaging the list as much as I should be along the way. Um, so I expect some like subscriber churn, uh, but I'm also just excited to really like use this big list that I've been building because I really haven't done very much with it. Uh, and so, um, I think that that that'll help a lot. And also too is in within like the digital product world, a lot of people talk about like launches and that's kind of like the milestones that people use for success. It's like, Oh, this was a hundred thousand dollar course launch. And like every year, this is how much I expect to make when, but like I'm not really on the same kind of like path and track and it's not really the same kind of like business model and and cadence. And uh, I was just realizing the other day, I'm like, I need to stop optimizing for like these big launch events and think more Mm -hmm. like a software company and especially since it's like recurring revenue, like I'm not trying to build up to a hundred thousand dollar launch. I'm trying to slowly incrementally build up to a hundred thousand dollar a year business and like screw launches. Like there are no launches. There's no, I mean, there are, <laughs> but like, that's not what I'm depending on. Like I just need to think and act more in the habit of, you know, this like slow incremental growth rather than like this big one-time launch event. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah. Uh, so tell me more about JetBoost and what's what you're working on and uh, what's been like the last week. Yeah. Um, like I said, so I'm working on the sorting and I'm kind of annoyed because I hate doing like, and I ended up doing this, <laughs> like making an announcement for the announcement. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, that's good. So, no, people are haters, dude. <laughs> no, I, I just personally. Best practice. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I, it's, yeah. I, I love the, you know, like the, the showmanship of the, the Apple, uh, the Steve Jobs back in the day where it's like, right. Then you just pull it out and you're like, here it is. And you can go buy this today. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it is best practice to let people know what's coming. Uh, so I did that with the sorting and I announced, uh, I guess what was different about this one was uh, normally I wait until like the early access version of the product of the feature is ready. Uh, and then I announce that and say, if you want early access, just let me know. Um, whereas this time I created a form uh, on a page and said, go here to sign up for the early access for the sorting feature. Um, so I did that because one, I was super excited about, uh, this demo site that Noah has been building for it. And we put together a little animation, um, kind of showing how the, the sorting is going to work. And so I, I was just excited to like share that on Twitter. And then as I was putting together that tweet, I'm like, well, there's really no like, okay, here's this thing, but there's no sort of call to action or like, what should you do next if you are interested in this? Mm. Uh, so that's when I put together the, the early access form and um, got about 20, I think it's around 25 uh, signups for that, which hmm. maybe sounds low, but compared to previous early access um, campaigns that we've done, I think the pagination had around 18. Um, so this is, you know, slightly more mm-hmm. than that um, yeah. but yeah i mean the the people that i did talk to that signed up were obviously very excited for it and now i just got to get it over the finish line and uh maybe some of that is uh like we just talked about cutting some of the scope so mm-hmm. yeah. right right yeah i it's it is interesting because um there's uh I don't know. There's this like conflict I've had in my head about like sometimes almost being like vague and secretive and like not having a place to point people almost builds like more anticipation. Like people are so wired to like, Oh, go click on this link now and like drop in your email for this thing that when you like drop something like new and exciting and then you don't, people are like, wait, what? Like, what do I do? How do I follow along? Like, you know, then they're like, they're anticipating even more like, okay, I need to like pay attention to like the next thing that, Chris tweets or I need to follow him or I need to like sign up for the newsletter, like mm. do something else that can you know, kind of keeps them up in the loop. You know, it's kind of the same idea with, um, with Apple, like every year they, like I said, they do like the, I mean now it's like two or three kind of like announcements a year, but like all the way up and up to it, like there's no like keep mm. in the loop, but like mm-hmm. be the first to know. And then like people know, like once they hear anything, once they see it, they're just like on it and they just jump straight on it. And, and all, all beforehand there's reporters and people and trying to like speculate, you know, what's going to be the next thing or like, what are the rumors? And so it's kind of like the secretiveness and like not having a place to point people is what almost drives some of the hype. Um, Mm. but man, it's like such an art. There's like no science to it. You know, I don't know. I don't really know how you like do that. It just kind of, you, you can you can go through the motion like do it but i don't know if it ha- if it happens you know so all that to say i feel like either way whether you're like driving people to an early access form 
or if it's just like the you know the screenshot on twitter that's like here's what's coming they're mm-hmm. they're neither is bad right they're both good yeah yeah and i guess for this it's the sorting feels like more of a table stakes feature it's kind of the last big feature that we haven't supported uh related to the webflow cms I think when we've done other things in the past that were a little bit more groundbreaking, like you said, uh, like the, I would put the favoriting feature in that Mm -hmm. category. Like it was something new that you couldn't really do any other way with Webflow or at least not any other simple way. Um, I think it was easier to make a bigger splash with that uh, and sort of a a more like... like you said, get people to be like, how, how, do, how do I get this? How do I get access to this? Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it, yeah, it definitely depends. Exciting stuff though. Glad you're glad you're even doing something to sort of, you know, share what you're working on and <laughs> build in public. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I gotta say I've been really kind of down on marketing lately. Um, I don't know why just going through a phase where like, I'm not all that interested in sharing like every little thing. It's, it's, it's weird. Like I know I should be doing it, but, um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I I guess part of it is to this day, Jetboost doesn't have like a well-defined acquisition channel, um, which is, I would say both good and bad. Um, obviously bad in the fact that we can't just like double down on something and be like, all right, this is where we put all of our marketing effort. Um, Mm -hmm. but good in that, uh, people are still signing up. (laughs) So, right. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't really know what to do about that other than, uh, like you said earlier, just sort of accept that this is a season that we're going through that I'm going through and, um, wait until you know I, I do think once the sorting is out um with that off my plate i think it will be a little bit more interesting to um turn more towards marketing and we do mm. have some clonables that we're working on so like there are things in the works yeah um yeah. but i think like the i don't know like the day-to-day stuff like the day-to-day being super active on twitter is like definitely not that interesting to me right now mm-hmm. right yeah. And at a, cer- a certain point too, maybe we, I think we talked about this, but probably not on the podcast. Uh, I feel like one, having your Twitter kind of like, especially like a personal Twitter be like the big kind of growth channel um, is amazing in the beginning, but like almost a liability later mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if if it's still like the main growth driver, then like that's kind of like a, a big issue unless you're, I guess doing like digital products, right? If you're like me, that really wouldn't be an issue. But if it's software, then I think that's kind of a big issue. Um, and uh, and the other part of that being, that means that you're always going to find diminishing returns with like with any channel, right? So like in the beginning, you know, you tweet about something, what you're working on, like a couple of people check it out, and then like over time, it just becomes less and less effective. Mm-hmm. according to like the size that you need it to be effective, to be meaningful. Um, mm. and so 
it just be, you know, I think naturally your brain's just kind of like disassociates the importance <laughs> of it. It's like, well, I don't need to tweet as much. Like it's just not going to move the needle as much. So I'm just not going to give it as much importance and think about it as much. Yeah. You know, that's so, oh man, that's so true. It's like in the beginning when a tweet can land you, you know, a handful of signups or whatever, that's huge. Um, but over time that become, like you said, it moves the needle less and less. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really is probably a big part of it. Right. And like naturally you're sort of like subconsciously like, well, not as important for me to be on here anymore, but then like you're, you're still stuck in like, you're still stuck in the old mindset of like, Oh, I should be tweeting every day and yeah. I need to be giving updates for this. But like, really in your your heart of hearts you know that's not as important yeah well i'm glad you just pointed that out to me <laughs> <laughs> well i think i tweeted out the other day and, and and we uh we talked about it a little bit and thing in person but um just how not having a single like dominant growth channel is a feature and not a bug and sort of what i mean is like of course you want something you need things to like be able to double down on. And, uh, but it might not be like one thing. Um, like I think, you know, there's always like a case study about, like, Oh, it was, you know, Dropbox had its referral program and native mm. deodorant had Facebook ads and like this thing over here, it was sales and that thing over there was events. And like, that was just like the killer kind of growth channel. Um, but that doesn't always happen. Usually it's like a kind of combination of like, two to three like pretty good growth channels and then like of course as like the more things that you try the murkier the water gets the murkier the attribution gets and it just becomes harder and harder to really even find the the two or three it becomes more like the three to five growth channels and so you're like what do i double down on like everything and it's kind of like yes like and that's okay because you're diversified and like the larger you get the harder it is to distinguish like one singular growth channel. Um, you want there to be multiple because that means you have multiple things to work on concurrently. Um, and not everything scales like they reach kind of these ceilings and that's all right. Like it's not, not the end of the world. Um, like even I, th I think a part of that, like the heart of that message for me was thinking about bare metrics, thinking back on that because we had pretty dominant growth channels. It was obviously content and SEO. Um, there was some like, you know, partnership stuff and integrations. There was, you know, kind of some big drivers, but like a large part of it at that point was brand. It was just people knew bare metrics, people associated bare metrics with a certain problem set and a certain category and a certain need. And then people found us and tried us out. And then they either, you know, became a customer or they turned out or they, you know, canceled their, their trial. And, uh, and there's no, nothing we could like do to increase, you know, people typing in barrymasters.com or like increase <laughs> our brand really, you know, you can create more content and you can do more things that like associate you with that, but it's definitely less of like a one-to-one, -one, you know, input equals output kind of uh, idea. And that's great. Like having a strong brain is like the best thing you can build, but that means that everything's going to be murkier and it's going to be harder to distinguish those growth channels to double down on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think about how, I can't even remember when I first heard about or, or discovered bare metrics, but it was, you know, obviously a while ago and 
I think I, I had a full-time job at the time. You know, I wasn't building a SaaS product or anything like that, but I knew it existed. I knew what problem it solved. And then one day, say five, six, seven years later, when I was building a SaaS product and needed uh, SaaS metrics, it was like, oh, there's this tool, Bear Metrics, and I can use it for that. Right. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's totally branding. There's no way to track any sort of attribution or anything like that. Like it just, sometimes it's a really long cycle like that. Yeah. And it's a feature, not a bug. It is what it is, you know? Like you can't fight it. You can't change it. You just have to accept it and embrace it. Yeah. So So I've got, got, um, don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I just thought of something I want to run by you. Yeah. Uh, that this is something else that we're working on uh, for JetBoost. Uh, and what made me think of it was uh, I noticed the Savvy Cal onboarding. You ask a couple questions or you guys ask mm. a couple questions up front. Um, if I remember, it's how did you hear about Savvy Cal? And is there another mm-hmm. one or no? There might be. Honestly, I, I've, I haven't even looked at the onboarding. Um, okay. I just asked Derek to, to add that at some point. Um, yeah. but I think, oh, it's like, yeah, I mean, you, you sort of like create your account, you connect a, um, like a video conferencing software and mm-hmm. I think it asks you that question. I think that's it. I think it then just okay. kind of drops you into the, into the dashboard. Yeah. Cause I also noticed you've been sharing some of the funny responses <laughs> yeah. uh, that you guys have gotten to that question on Twitter. <laughs> oh man. How'd you I, hear about it? I Guess. love, <laughs> yeah, right. I know. Or not, not telling you <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> internet. Um, my favorite one recently, I haven't even shared, but for, for some reason, a whole bunch of people have said, um, my friend, I'm like, cool. Who's your friend? Like, <laughs> it doesn't like tell me it's not really useful information or I hear, uh, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit like laughable. It's, yeah. it's helpful, but it's not as helpful as it could be. So like a whole bunch of them are podcasts. I'm like, great. Which podcasts are like YouTube. Mm. Cool. Which, you know, and then some of them are really, really specific, but anyways, uh, they're like pretty funny. Yeah, that is funny. Well, so we are working on adding a couple onboarding questions, uh, mainly to better understand not necessarily where people are coming from, at least not right now, um, but more like who is coming to JetBoost, who's using it. Mm. Uh, so the questions that we're looking at are, how would you categorize uh, yourself or your company? And then we have like freelancer, agency, business, uh, other, and these all might change, but this is kind of what we're thinking now. Mm-hmm. And then re- related to that, uh, what best describes your role? So founder, oh. CEO, designer, developer, marketer, other. Hmm. And there's a couple thoughts behind this. One, we really don't know the breakdown right now of, are we serving mostly Webflow freelancers or agencies or uh, people building uh, more of like no-code projects or, or businesses like uh, mm-hmm. you know, job boards and all of that. I sort of have some intuition from talking to people, but no uh, quantitative data whatsoever. And then along with that, you know, I've, I've, I think I've talked a lot on here about the activation numbers, uh, how 
50% of people, only 50% are able to actually successfully install JetBoost that sign up. Um, and I say only, but that may or may not be good or bad. Uh, and this right. is this yeah. is part of that. If it's, you know, if we find there's a certain segment that say successfully installs it 75% of the time, and then there's another segment that is 25%, that's obviously extremely meaningful and can oh, help mean. determine some of the marketing activities. Yeah. Uh, and, and the product direction as well. If, if, if there's this mm. group that is signing up, that is very successful with the product and, uh, you know, then that's what we should be focused on and not worry about the, the rest. So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I don't, um, like it's all conjecture and like nothing's really useful until you have a good of like contextual, good amount of contextual information to like make sense of those kinds of, of metrics. Um, mm. Like we're, we're going through the process of uh, testing out Churnkey for SavvyCal for like the whole cancellation flow and churn prevention stuff. And uh, I know Nick and Baird and um, um, met the other, the other co-founder as well. And uh, so we hopped on a call and sort of like asking them questions about how to get, you know, set up and Im- implemented and stuff like that. And then like pass that along to the Derek. And then, you know, they had asked me like another, like, Hey, how's it going? Any feedback? And uh, I was basically saying like, well, it's, it's very like developer friendly, but it's not, you know, marketer founder friendly, essentially. Like it'd be great mm. if basically everything I asked you on this call was just like in a doc that I could just like send to my developer or like whoever is doing the installation. If it's, you know, Derek, the founder, or if it's a developer or if it's someone else, um, and or like you see a lot of the, a lot of the SaaS apps that require some sort of like code implementation, you'll have like a button that says like, you know, send this to my developer. And it's like a little email that's like prepackaged and just you type in the email address and it just like sends the instructions over to them. Um, and so there's like those types of dependencies, especially for onboarding where it's like, do they need does something need to be like embedded or installed, configured, uh, for, for JetBoost, like one of the big ones, right. Is like connecting your Webflow account. Um, I would have to imagine that that's probably one of the bigger reasons why someone doesn't end up getting set up or onboarded is because maybe they don't have a project to connect to and, mm-hmm. or they don't have the right permissions and like access to the project they want to connect to. And so they have to get someone else to connect it. Um, so like those are the types of things where I would look at or ask But the difficult part is like, you might not find that in the data. Like you might have to ask people, um, like people who didn't connect, you just like send them an email and be like, Hey, like, what's up? Why didn't you connect your Webflow account? Um, and then like sort of, you know, through a gut feel and like finger in the air and try to figure out how many of those people are for one reason or another. Um, but anyways, I feel like I'm rambling, but I don't know if that answers your question or was like in the direction of where you wanted to go with this. No, uh, that, that does, it's a super good point that for each of these steps where people are dropping off, uh, the, the numbers are only the numbers. The, the reasons are, again, you're only going to uncover by talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a really good point. And yeah, it's funny because, uh, 
when I was talking with the team about it last week, we, we definitely at some point, <laughs> if you go back through my, my monthly updates, I think, uh, <laughs> I think in January of 2020, I talked about this where I wanted to implement, um, uh, like an email automated emails that go out for each step of the funnel. If oh, someone right. hasn't completed the step after a certain amount of time that still doesn't exist, hasn't been implemented <laughs> a year and a half <laughs> later. Mm. So we've been talking about what these automated emails will look like. Um, but honestly, that's even maybe a step too far ahead. Like we probably should mm-hmm. just, pick a batch of, okay, these 10 people at at this stage, these 10 people at this stage and just manually email them. Yeah. Um, Right. Just like grab their emails, dump them into like a BCC field in Gmail and then just be like, Hey, you know, saw that you started a trial, but you didn't connect. Like, seems like you weren't successful in what you're able to try to do. Like, just tell me, you know, what you're trying to do and like, what was the obstacle that prevented you from doing that thing? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, be brutally honest, you know, and like invite <laughs> sort of critique and, uh, and criticism. It's sort of, um, uh, this is unrelated, but I want to get this thought off my head before I forgot, but it's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of credit card upfront because unless you specifically and exclusively target, uh, like decision makers who would have access to, a credit card or business credit card, then mm. you're basically always uh, unnecessarily introducing friction and preventing potential customers from signing up. Um, because especially if you want to do like a product led kind of function where it's like, you know, have your, have your developers start using this before the CTO does or the VP of engineering or like have your email marketer use this before the director of marketing uses it. Um, and then you're asking for a credit card up front. Like you just killed the whole product led engine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was just dead from the start because that's just, most people aren't going to enter in their personal credit card and they're also not going to go and ask for permission to enter credit card details for something that may or may not pan out. Uh, and so it's for that same reason, it's like, you know, what, what's the context that people are coming into this? Like, what are all the dependencies? And mm-hmm. then like, how do you remove the friction around those dependencies? Whether it's uh, access to your credit card, access to something that they're integrating with, implementation or, or configuration instructions, um, some sort of specialized knowledge, you know, even things as simple as like, connecting to Stripe, you know, I went through that same thing with, uh, with Shernkey where I got like halfway through the onboarding and then I was like, Oh, I have to stop here. Hey Derek, here's my login credentials. You know, can Mm -hmm. you authenticate with Stripe and then I'll continue. And then I was like, the next thing was like, Oh, we need to install this. I don't have access to the code base. I don't even know what to do here. (laughs) I need to hop on a call. And so like, what are those things for your customers? And that's like, those are the major big wins for onboarding. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I agree with the, uh, your thoughts on the credit card up front. I guess maybe the only area it could make sense is if you were going after like a prosumer market where it is people using their individual credit cards, right. but you want people who are serious enough to actually pull out yeah. their credit card. Yeah. Maybe that that's what I mean. Sense. You have to like really target like, yeah. does this, 
you know, do like 90% of the people I want to target have access to a credit card? If yes, mm-hmm. then like, sure, why not? Go for it. Have at it. I mean, with SavvyCal, we require a credit card upfront. Um, that might change in the future for that reason. But right now, I mean, especially in the early days, it was really about validation and are people serious enough to like actually put in their information and then like we're not we're not hampering ourselves. I mean, I even do the same thing for uh, for swipe files. Like it defaults to enter your credit card information after the trial is going to automatically convert unless you cancel it because I found that that ultimately led to the most conversions. Um, but that's not the, the case for everyone. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the thought process I went through with JetBoost. Because it it's always been, you know, sign up for free. I guess I, I kind of just copied what Webflow did where there's like a, a you know, the free plan on the Webflow.io mm. version, yeah. version of your site. So... I love that. And it makes sense for something think, like JetBoost. I mean, it's, it's hard to limit it by time because right. they might be waiting on a client. They might be waiting on Figma designs. You know, you never know what's mm-hmm. going on there. So, yeah, I mean, that's my, I feel like that's my favorite version of freemium is like set up everything. And then like, once you're ready to go live, then you pay for it because mm. it just makes it so easy for people to come in not feel rushed, not feel like they're going to hit some sort of arbitrary threshold and then like have to pay for something that they really weren't sure that they wanted to pay for yet. But then like you get that perfect mix of, you know, there's no, there's no time limit. People are still serious, but also like you, you collect money at the moment that is valuable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I started using whimsical today. And oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's uh, no credit card up front. Uh, you're, you're like limited by the, I think like total number of elements you can add to all your projects, and it's like perfect. Like, mm, right? I, I it wasn't ready to start paying for it, and I just wanted to see how the product functions. If if I like this, if it fits my workflow, um, and even having to do like a thirty day trial or or whatever, like it feels like, you know. Maybe I'm in the uh, in the mindset of like I'm going to start using this right now, but then I get distracted or or have get pulled into something else, and it's like, okay, now my 30 days are ticking, and it's not top of mind anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, I really like how they structured it, so I can try it out, see how it works, use the free plan until I run out of the free plan tier, and then upgrade. It's like perfect. Yeah, easy peasy. Yeah. Um, what was? <laughs> I feel like I like steamrolled what we were actually going to talk about. What would you want to like get my my input on regarding the onboarding and uh, oh, sort of, no. like, the questions <laughs> that were being asked? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, really all your thoughts were were great on it. Um, I don't know that I really had specific questions. Just was curious in general your thoughts. So, and oh, okay. because I know you'd done some of that with Savvy Cal, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you do you ask um, how do people hear about? JetBoost or how did how did you hear about JetBoost from the user perspective? Yeah, don't ask that right now. And we we talked about it. We're trying to find the right balance of how many questions to ask up front. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like with SaaS, it's becoming more and more common and accepted that 
as you're going through the setup, you're going to answer a few questions. Um, I feel like I see that a lot more now that, than I did maybe two, three, four years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to do this for swipe files right now. I feel like that's one of the single biggest mm. like things you can do to just like give you clarity and like collect data because even though you get crazy answers like, you know, friend or like not telling or guess, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you also get stuff like, uh, I find all the time, like new sort of like mentions of swipe or uh, of savvy Cal. Um, in general, I can sort of like bucket answers and like categorize to get a count of like how many people said Google or Google ad or some sort of, or either, or, you know, Google or Google ad. How many people mentioned podcast or YouTube? How many people mentioned this person in particular? And um, especially with the volume that SavvyCal does, which I think is probably pretty similar to JetBoost with like the lower price point and a little bit more prosumer, um, you know, I get really good stuff on like, oh, here it was like this one article in particular. And like, there are some pretty clear winners. And we were looking at that. We're like, oh, we need to, <laughs> we need to get listed <laughs> on like some other articles. Like we need to do some more guest posting. And it actually is hmm. pretty actionable. Um, even like for swipe files right now, I have, when someone starts a trial and they're dropped in the dashboard, there's a little form that asks people to, to pick, uh, from a list, but, and that's pretty good. But I feel like even though you open yourself up to these low quality answers, just having like an open text box, just people can fill in whatever they want is ultimately the most useful information because you'll get things that are outside of like the pre-filled options that you would come up with. Hmm. Cause like I look at it right now, I pulled it up while we were talking about it earlier and, um, so I use write message for it to fill out this form. And, um, and it's just like the, you know, not a drop down, but it's just like the, you know, radio options between eight or so. So I have Twitter, uh, a friend, Google podcast interview, LinkedIn, everything's marketing default alive and other, and 37% of people said Twitter. Um, but even then I don't know if that's like my Twitter or someone else's Twitter, uh, <laughs> Other, I don't have any insight to because it doesn't allow me to um, like ask, you know, what it is if it's other. Thirteen uh, percent okay. of people said a friend. I don't know who that friend is though. Twelve percent of people said Google, which is actually a good amount. Um, and I don't know if that would get really, you know, but some of those people I could have got information like, you know, I searched for this or like this article in particular, which they obviously found through Google. Um, and then it's like very much diminishing returns, like podcast interview, six percent, LinkedIn, two percent. Uh, the podcast 1% each. Um, but then there's all sorts of things outside of this. I don't really know in that other bucket, 27%, you know, where I could have more actionable data if I had like an open text box. Hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if we should switch to free form text instead of yeah multiple choice like we we're planning. That, that's what I would, I would do that. It's like super simple. You're going to get some low quality answers, but ultimately the much higher quality answers will outweigh the lower quality answers instead of everything being very mediocre and vague. Yeah. I think the downside is it, 
It's a lot more work to do the segmentation. Yes. Well, kind of. Um, so this is what we do with Savvy Cal, but we funnel everything into a activity channel and then that's all that's in there. And then Slack has some pretty like robust search capabilities. And so they have like Boolean and like Andor kind of like stuff and you can like search directly and like in quotes for certain kind of phrases. So like if I look right now, I just put like, you know, in activity quote Google, like I get a count right now of how many people have referenced Google. Um, and so like that makes segmentation fairly easy. Uh, or you could probably just like do some no code magic and like drop everything into a Google sheet and then like automatically build reports based on like an ongoing log of what people respond with. Um, so I feel like there's kind of ways around that. Yeah. I'll have to think about that. Yeah. I will say if, if you or anyone listening is looking for some good onboarding flows to copy, we've been basing a lot of what we're doing off of air tables. Uh, there's this really good. Interesting. Yeah. I think ClickUps is pretty good too. Hmm. I can't remember. I've, I use both of them. I can't remember what the onboarding was like, but I'm sure they're good. They're huge and they have money to spend in that area <laughs> and they're probably right. pretty smart too. Right. Might as well just copy the, the biggest best practices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, anything else top of mind? No, nothing else for me really. Cool. Uh, I'll save, I'll save another topic for, for next week or for another time. I think it's too long to talk about now. Uh, unless you really, really wanted to, since you can see and know what it is. All right. Let me, let me see. Oh yeah. Let's, let's save that for the next time. Okay. Next time. All right. Well, we'll have all the show notes, uh, links, mentions, um, down below. And, uh, if you guys, can give us a rating review. We're going to ask for that one more time again. Uh, it helps us kind of go up the podcast charts. Also just allow, allows people to know that it's a legit fun podcast. Um, so anything helps rating review, nice comment, shout out on Twitter, uh, and we'll see you in the next one.